Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pastrami Nation Popcorn, the home of everything cinematic. My name is Nolan Smith, and joining us today is Rebecca Benson. Hello. And the host of Pastrami Nation Popcorn, Kevin Hoskinson. Hey, guys. How's it going? Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. Um, how's you guys' New Year going so far? Everything going good? We're alive. Yeah. We're alive. That's good. How about you? Are you alive? Yeah, it's going pretty good. I'm alive thinking about movies, the future, what's going to be happening soon, movies of the past, movies that we've just watched. And that's what we're mainly going to be talking about today. Um, just a couple movies that have kind of come on our, well, pretty big movies from last year towards the end of the year. Um, the really two big releases that both released on Christmas Day. Um, first, we want to get, um, well, there's two of them we want to talk about specifically. Um but let's uh, let's start with Wonder Woman. We all got a chance to watch Wonder Woman. Um, we did have you know watch it at home, HBO Max. Um, so yeah. So uh, what did you guys think of Wonder Woman 1984? What are your guys's all around thoughts about it? No, nope. <laughs> that's all you. It, it could have been far better. It could have <laughs> been far far better. What do you think? Yeah, it was kind of a no go for us. Yeah, it. There was a lot wrong with the movie, and I know mm -hmm. we'll get into that as we go. But I mean, there's very few redeeming qualities on it. Um, but for a big DC movie, and to you know, to close out the year with it, it was a disappointment for sure. Mm -hmm. Very much a disappointment, especially. I mean, the first one I think was you know critic. It was praised kind of universally for being one of the better DC movies. Um, right. You know, towards the end, it kind of fell into you know your basic dc territory you know with the big action sequence and it turned completely dark for some reason and became you know but like other than that like it was a solid movie it was a solid uh, dc movie um i think this didn't build on that at all it kind of actually i feel like it regressed itself a little bit um but i do feel like it did it in a way i felt like it tried to do something different like it, it tried too hard to be different and do its own thing that it just kind mm -hmm. of other way as opposed to, you know, staying on course with what it was supposed to do. Um, it had some cool, like I thought Pedro Pascal did pretty good. It was kind of weird seeing him without the Mandalorian helmet. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And are we, we're going to talk spoilers, right? Yeah. I think we could talk spoilers. It's okay. Yeah, definitely. So spoiler warning guys. Yeah. Just throw that out there. Yeah. Boy, I mean, just don't watch it, but I mean, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. No, yeah, no, I, I feel like, um, and, and I feel like it did take away a lot of the story from Wonder Woman herself, and mm -hmm. it kind of put it more on the villains this time around, which is totally cool. Um, but it just didn't, it tonally, it was all over the place, it didn't really work, it fell flat. Like, it started out really cool, like, it started out like I was really excited. I was like, you know, you see the opening scene when they're on the you know, doing the Olympic stuff and like, you know, doing the competition and stuff. That was really exciting. That was fun. But then you go to 1984 <laughs> and I still have no idea why they chose 1984 because it didn't have anything particularly to do with the plot. It just seemed like a cool setting, cashing in on nostalgia and just kind of putting in that time period just to put it in that time period. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think about that aspect of it? Were you guys sold on 
any of the 1984 stuff? Like, did it have to be based in 1984 to work? I think it tried too hard, actually, because you have, you know, a strong already female lead and then they brought in a female villain. And so when you think about 1984, in the 1980s, women were starting to go back to work, kind of changing the dynamics of the workplace. So I think it just that hidden meaning, they just tried way too hard to make it, you know, deeper than it really needed to be. Right, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Totally yeah, that's a good point because, like, you know, history is what it is. We can't change it. Right. Uh, and women didn't have, you know, that many opportunities during that time. And I think one part that took me right out of the movie at the very beginning was that female security guard running, screaming, you know, stop. And yeah. if you think of the 80s, you know, like people had that, you know, closed minded way of thinking, you know, like, oh, women can't do that job. Right. Right, so right. Um, right at the beginning, I was like, oh, so it's not an accurate representation of the 80s. I mean, they tried with the, the clothes and the colors and whatnot. Um, they tried. They tried really hard, and it showed in the wrong ways. You know, the break dancing worked in, and, and right. Um, you know, I, I thought seeing the mall was pretty cool because it had that very classic, you know, eighties feel for a mall. Yeah, it did. Um, but I don't quite get why that time period either. Um, I think you're right when you said like it didn't. The story was more about the other characters and not Wonder Woman because they kind of, in my eyes, they they took away a lot from Wonder Woman. You mm -hmm. know. Yeah, you have like the strongest superheroing in the DCU, and you're making her pine over Chris Pine, <laughs> and um, which didn't help her character. Right? At all. No, it's very out of character. Very, you know, another thing that takes you out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but also, um, the part where she's you know hiding the plane. and she's like, "My father taught me this," or "My father showed me this." What father? Like you, you're created by clay from the Amazons. That like, is very true. That is a point that I had seen brought up, and I was like, "Wait a second. I didn't even think about it while watching the movie. For some reason, it didn't hit me to like afterwards. I was like, "That makes total sense." So, is there all these like Amazonian women that are like running the entire show, and there's this big fat man just sitting at home, <laughs> and like, "Oh, bring me a beer." You know, like right. it has mixed messages. Like, well, what are you trying to show? You like the strong women are doing the Olympian games, and then all of a sudden she's pining away and you know, letting Max Lord lord over her. You're like, mm, hold on. Yeah. It was very out of character for her, especially when we've seen Wonder Woman and we've seen, you know, Batman versus Superman and unfortunately Justice League. Um, but all of them showed her in a very strong positive light. Mm -hmm. This no, she she was a she was supposed to be this lovesick puppy for God knows how long, you know. And then the whole, you know, what what would you say? I'll never, I'll never love again. I'll never love again. Yeah, like, wow, like way to way to get all you know lifetime movies on us, you know? right? Um, Quickly, really, and I look like the way. So the thing that bothered me was obviously all of that. You know, made her you know pining over Chris Pine, like you said. But the way they kind of brought him back and it, look, I'm all I'm all for, you know, like, you know, the romance angle, like, you know, like Captain America, for example, you know, with him and Peggy, like that was super sweet, super cool. Um, but that would be like akin to them just randomly bringing back Peggy, you know, in modern day for no reason whatsoever. So he can pine over her even more. Um, or even worse, taking Peggy and putting her soul inside of Black <laughs> Widow, right? And saying like, but it's Peggy Carter, 
Right. Then all of a sudden you're magically attracted to this outer person. Exactly. She's like, that's all I see is Steve. No, how, like you were that strange dude. Like, like it's super weird. And like, it just, it, it didn't, it didn't work. Like, I don't, they didn't have to bring Steve back. Like Steve didn't have to come back. I understand he's Steve and he's kind of Steve Trevor. He's her, you know, relationship. And sidekick. Sidekick almost, you know, I understand that aspect of it, but I mean, they, it passed if they were going to do that just put her back in you know back in the you know world war ii right world war ii yeah. put her back in that setting right. I mean, some, some way for him to have cheated death you know yeah like it, it i mean was, it's more plausible than putting his soul inside some strange man on a futon right exactly and the fact that she was fighting well, a weird guy that wasn't even like you know and she she seemed to fall for it pretty quickly too like like within five minutes it. like and then when he's like, you want to see my futon? You're like, yeah. Neat. Horrible pickup line. <laughs> super weird. Super just like kind of awkward. Um, I didn't I didn't buy it. And then it had that weird, just that weird lull in the middle, like a good hour of just like nothing <laughs> happening. And like, yeah, I understand you're setting up characters and stuff, but it just didn't, it didn't take off. And even the, like the finale and like the final fight scene, all that, you know, the, the fight scenes throughout, I thought that the, the, the desert chase was kind of cool, you know, with the car, with the trucks and everything, and they're chasing and stuff. I thought that was pretty fun. But, like, once it got to the end, like, her and Cheetah, I just was like, I don't care. Well, Cheetah was kind of a, I mean, weird forced character, weird just lines. Throw her in here. Yeah. You need another female. And she's like, well, you've always yeah. got what you wanted. Well, you've only known her, like, a week or what. <laughs> like, And here she is talking to Diana like she knows her. But, I mean... You know, Kristen Wiig does, did what she could with it, but I mean, I blame the writing. I do. I, that's what it was written to be. Right. Absolutely. And I think, like, I, I love Kristen Wiig. I think she could have done amazing. Like, I think she, she, I was really kind of excited to see her take on a role like this. You know, I think it was different. But then it just kind of fell apart super quick. And I don't know if any of it had to do with like DC's interference or if it was just, cause I, like I said before, mm -hmm. I really like Patty Jenkins. I think she's a solid director. I think she knows how to tell a story and I just don't know what happened. I don't right. know. Did really good with the first one. Um, she, like I said, she knows how to tell a story. It just didn't. Didn't land. It just didn't well, land. So if you had to pick a favorite part, what would it be? Or if, yeah, favorite aspect of the movie, what would it be? I think I honestly think my favorite aspect of it was actually uh, Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. I thought he was fun. Um, I thought mm -hmm. he was like just chewing it up and just being goofy. And I feel like a lot of that on his part, I feel like his performance was kind of out of line with the rest of the movie. Cause I feel like he kind of was in on the joke, you know, so he just <laughs> took it over the top, but I feel like everybody else was kind of like, this is serious, guys. Let's, let's just take this seriously. But That's I feel like point. he was just like having fun, hamming it up, just being that goofy guy. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the cast was just, like I said, taking it way too seriously. Um, and yeah, he was my favorite part. What about you guys? He was mine too. Yep, that, that was going to be mine. <laughs> Max Lord was easily the best part. And that's saying something because I mean, if you're like an old DC fan, Max Lord's been around for a while. Right. You know? And he's never been that dynamic of a character. You know, he was like the benefactor for the Justice League International. Um, and in like Infinite Crisis, like he broke bad and like shot Blue Beetle in the head and killed him and turned supervillain right then. This is like in the 2000s. 
Right. And it ended with Wonder Woman like having him by the neck saying, like, you know, you need to stop what you're doing. And he's like, I'm not gonna stop. And she's like, snap. And just ends him. So to go to take a character like that, because they took more of the pre-crisis right, uh, right. one, because he wasn't like bloodthirsty or psychotic or anything. He was just very greedy. Um, but I much prefer this version. Like he was great, he was funny. You know, and he's Mando, so I mean, yeah. Thank God we have all those memes now. They're like, do it, do it, and he's turned around and he says the helmet on. This is the way. Like, yeah, dude, Pedro Pascal's. He's. I mean, I know he's kind of been around for a long time, or for a little bit now. Like, you know, I mean, even before Mando, he's had small roles and and everything. But he had two movies come out on Christmas Day. The first one was Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. And then the other one was We Can Be Heroes. I think, yeah, We Can Be Heroes. Is he in there too? He's in that, yeah. Oh. I haven't got a chance to finish that yet. So I haven't started it. Yeah, it's fun. It's like I said, it's in the vein of like Spy Kids and like Shark Boy and Lava Girl, like Robert Rodriguez. Is it, is it Robert Rodriguez? It is Robert Rodriguez, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other topic for a whole other episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, got the, I got a flip side question. The, yeah. to the best thing. So what was part of Wonder Woman for you? What was the worst part of Wonder Woman for me? Um, any scene that didn't have Maxwell Lord? <laughs> it's pretty much it. Um, well, that's true. No, I think... Gosh, that's, that's a tough one. I think it was just that lull in the middle. I just can't get over just how... Nothing they're trying happened. to dress them up with like, Kendall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like nothing happened for like a good like solid like hour or so, and it was just kind of blood. I'd have to say that was my my least favorite thing about it was kind of its pacing and like how it started mm-hmm. out great, then it just flatlined, and then it tried to go up again, but never quite moved up high enough. What about what about you guys? Definitely the whole fashion show, you know. Okay. Very, yeah, it's. Very, like, Toy Story 3 with Ken and Barbie, you know? It was very cringeworthy, I agree. <laughs> yeah, so that one, and... Are you going to steal it? The whole, I'll never love again, because I started on the whole, like, Titanic, you know? <laughs> I'll never let go of that kind of thing. And then yeah. the third one was... Do you steal it? When she's... Okay. Go ahead. He, he still makes fun of me, because when she's first flying... <laughs> in the sky, oh, yeah. and uh, I would. I said, Diana, and then you hear Steve Trevor's voice. I'm like, no, I can't be right. Yep. Oh my gosh! And that was that is the worst scene for me. That I'm gonna learn to fly from a pilot, even though I'm created from the gods and could do it anyway. Right. Like it, it was, it was bad and predictable. <laughs> bad, um, but you know, also on favorite parts would definitely be the Easter egg at the end. Yes. Oh yes, the, the credits. The yeah. Credits. That was my favorite part of the entire movie. Not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have said that. They're like, that was the best part about the whole thing. Like, people are freaking out because they thought it was super cool. And I thought it was really cool too. I was nice and surprised. Because I kept telling them throughout the movie, I'm like, we need a cameo. We need a cameo. Yeah, I thought they did really good with that. And um, yeah, so who knows? Have they greenlit a third one? So. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm curious, you know. I I like to hold out hope that that you know they're gonna do goodbye us. I don't know what the setting's gonna be. No one knows if it's gonna. 
I would like to see it take place in modern day. I would well, really if you do it anytime around 84, keep Max Lord in there and let yeah, him form exactly. Justice League. Oh, there you go. You know, let him get blue, you know, blue beetle and booster gold and you know, metamorpho and all those characters nobody really cares about fire and ice and you know, stuff like that. Martian Manhunter, but people care about him. But right. get all those in there. Get you know, or even Justice League Detroit, you know, which is another you know, grade B team, but give him his band of heroes. It's like the, he could try to do like a redemption act. Right. I think that'd be, that would be cool. I think that would be really cool. Cause you know, at the end you get that, the, obviously the vibe, well, spoiler, so we can talk about it. Um, you know, when he comes, you know, when he's find, trying to find his son and stuff like that, you know, like that was a pretty like uh, intense moment right there. But like, you can tell like he was, he hopefully saw the error of his ways for now, at least. And, I think so. I mean, he's kind of a jerk during the movie when he was like, how many weekends do I have this kid? You're like, oh, man. yeah. Poor Alistair. He's right there. And he was named Alistair. I mean, poor kid. Yeah. So. I, yeah. That was... <laughs> uh, he could be Al. You can call him Al. But yeah, so if you guys were to um, give it a rating, one to five pastrami nations, what would you give it? Be honest. We're, Ladies, I, doubt, I doubt DC and Warner Brothers is watching this. To be honest with you, so who knows though? I give it a two. Yeah, I was going to say two. Yeah, I give it a two. Two sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, that's bumped up. It would have been a one and a half. <laughs> yeah, I actually think I'm letterboxed. I actually think I gave it a one and a half. Oh, so we'll see. We'll see. But um, but anyways, let us know what you guys thought of Wonder Woman 1984. Um, if you guys liked it, that's fine. Totally cool. We still I know a lot of people that actually really enjoyed the movie, which is cool because they yeah. saw it from whatever perspective they saw it from, and that made it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I guess it was just the hype. Like, this is going to be good. It's Wonder Woman. You know, Christmas. It's, yeah, it's the big superhero yeah. movie that we never got this year. Yeah, and it flopped. But yeah. yeah, let us know. Let us know what you thought. Yeah, please. And uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about another one that released on Christmas, one that I think we're all in agreement that was total opposite of Wonder Woman um, on the other side of this uh, scale was uh, Soul, uh, Disney Pixar Soul. Uh, soul, you know, going into somebody else's that? body. Oh, that's true. There's a good little parallel there. That's the only there parallel. <laughs> but Soul had Soul. Yeah, so we all are in agreement that Soul was awesome, and um, it's uh, it's again spoilers. I think um, for everybody all around, um, he dies. Yeah, he dies. <laughs> dies. Um, so Joe, he's a jazz pianist, and finally gets his big break, and then he just falls down a manhole and dies. Or well, he doesn't actually die. Then he's in like this weird limbo state of he goes mm-hmm. to the after. I mean, it's the great before? Yeah. The great before? Well, no, he goes to the great beyond first. Oh, great beyond first, and then the great before with the Jerry. Yeah, and then he falls into the, he tries to escape, gets into the great before where he meets 22, um, who's this, you know, the, the great before is this place where unborn souls are being trained to be souls to go into human bodies. Wasn't that cool? Mm-hmm. I never even thought That's- of that kind of thing. Man, like, that was so cool. Like, I really liked the way that it was very it was a, it wasn't exa- it wasn't like i envisioned it but i think if i was to create something like that like that's what my idea of 
something like that would be if that makes sense like uh, it 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 just transcended so many boundaries in that one area he had all the jerry's and the terry right. <laughs> my favorite part of the movie is the jerry's and the, the Jer explanation of like this is something you can understand right like exactly. this drawing exactly i thought it was really cool like how it wasn't you know, a lot of people have this specific view of the afterlife, or, you know, depending on what, you know, religion or background or whatnot. But Pixar was able to just kind of do like that. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of all around all these different, you know, mythos and religions and everything kind of blended into one um, mm -hmm. space, which kind of, you know, represented everybody. I thought that was really cool. And it was. And then. uh yeah, so the, that area was really cool, like where they're all like watching the videos on how to be souls and stuff. And I thought 22, who was voiced by, oh, Joe's uh, uh, voiced by Jamie Foxx. And uh, 22 is Tina Fey. And I thought they were both incredible together, um, you know, especially, you know, in that area. And uh, yeah, 22, she's uh, rambunctious, I guess you can say. Um, kind of cynical about life she does or about wanting to live like she has everything she needs there's no reason for her to be born she has no desire to live a human life right um, before she even knows what a human life really is which exactly, is really cool exactly and then it was the simple things that got her and that was you the know. beautiful part about it yep the laying over the vents and having the wind blow up you know the you know the eating the yeah, pizza yeah. yeah the things that, that we great. take for granted yeah that was like where the one of the biggest surprises for the movies like for the for the movie that got me um was when they when they came down to, when they came to earth and she was him and he became the cat which i thought was super clever and super funny um like the part where they go to his apartment and he's the cat and he gets into the sunlight and he like grabs on his back and like can't help himself, you know, buzzing on the sunlight. Um, I thought that was really funny and uh, clever. And it, the movie kind of takes these weird turns that you don't see, ex that you don't expect, which I think is really cool. And that's Pixar for you, though. They're always making these really cool, smart um, movies that make you think and make you almost want to be a better person a lot of the times, which is really cool. Um, it's something that kids and adults can all enjoy um where normally their movies are aimed you know their kids movies that adults can enjoy this one i kind of found to be the opposite this one is more yeah. of an adult movie that kids can enjoy yeah my um, kid i was kind of stumped she's like so what was the purpose that's right. the point right? <laughs> she was kind of what? she was expecting of... like the concrete ideas you know the baking the music and but she just kind of she kind of got lost a little bit at the end yeah, so did my kids. My kids did the same thing. And they, uh, 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 just real quick, we're, we're talking about the music. Um, the music is such, obviously, a massive part of this movie. Mm -hmm. The jazz and the score and everything is just incredible. Like, they went all out with it. Like, uh, John Baptiste, he did the jazz aspects of the, the score, which I thought was beautiful. And when, like, Joe was playing the piano and stuff, like, that was all him, like, he you know wrote all that conducted all that and then the score you know the score other than that was uh trent reznor and atticus ross 
who, you know, obviously people know from, you know, they're both of them uh, Nine Inch Nails, you know, which seems like a super strange, like, combination, but I Super cool. Was that? Super cool, though. Super cool. Cool, man. Like, he, like, Trent Reznor is just this weird genius, and even if you listen to Nine Inch Nails albums, they're not, they are very, like, feeling, like, you have to feel them and, like, experience them to really enjoy them, you know, and I think he brings a lot of that to it. And yeah, I think the whole idea behind the movie kind of finding your passion and, and, you know, how, to what kind of lengths you're willing to go to that passion and what life is really about finding your spark. I thought that was, it was legitimately life-changing. Right. I think the part actually that got me the most was the lost soul when that's all she had surrounding her were those voices and now with you know social media and that's all you're getting that's mm-hmm. that negative you know the negative thoughts and negative talk and it's towering over you and you just can't get past it mm-hmm. yeah and it's that scene particularly um really kind of hit me because you know it's like you know people deal with like depression and anxieties and things like that and that to me perfectly kind of um showed what it was like like in a you can see it you can feel it from her emotions in that area um and i thought that was like super just like that like a lot of that like i don't want to get too personal on here but a lot of that just like it just hit you you know you're like like that's how you describe how you feel to people sometimes using that analogy and i felt Mm -hmm. like they that aspect of it i thought that was super clever super Great. And the the scene, like, you know, when she, when he realized, when, when she, when they're sitting on this, you know, he's sitting on the, she's, well, him as her, Joe as, you know, in 22 is Joe, they're sitting, she's sitting on the steps and they have the opportunity to go back, right. you know, and switch bodies. And she was like, I don't, I don't want to go. Like, I just, what if I just like just hanging around and just looking at the sky and like just taking a walk or whatever. And he's like, that's just stuff you do like that's just stuff but then like you realize like that's what life is about like enjoying your life enjoying everything around you your life is not your job and you're yeah i thought it was super powerful and Mm -hmm. beautiful too so yeah right and on that lost soul part i think one of the biggest things was it wasn't just the voices beating her down like she Mm -hmm. was saying Mm-hmm. It was that negative self-talk influenced by all those people. And I think that was big to see because yeah. she was buying into it. She believed it. She was saying it. She did. And that was, you know, that's, uh, I think that's how, you know, uh, you know, you look at something like Inside Out, which really yeah. kind of was like this, I felt like was a really, was a spiritual successor to that. You know, it kind mm-hmm. of just took it to the next level. Obviously, you know, Joe's like a, well, middle-aged man and you know riley she was like a what 13 14 year old girl mm-hmm. you know um but that's one thing i feel like pixar excels at is that kind of way to explain emotions like not necessarily have to explain them either just show them and just right. you know display what they're like and uh yeah i thought i mean pete doctor he directed inside out too so mm-hmm. like he has that kind of really strong connection to emotions and stuff like that. And I thought it was really, really cool to see on screen. 
thankfully I didn't cry like I normally do at Pixar movies, but that one particular, The Lost Soul, when she is the lost soul, that one really got to me, and that's the one that made me pause and be like, I totally fall into that. I yeah. totally buy into those voices, even myself, mm -hmm. manipulating those yeah. voices. Absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, it's super powerful. And I think the thing about Soul is it's not a movie you're going to react to right away. So I don't mm -hmm. think it's a movie you're going to like, you're not going to cry in necessarily. It's not going to tear yeah. you apart on the inside while you're watching it. It takes maybe like five, ten minutes after you've seen it and turn it off to be like, what <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what is all this about? Like, what is going on? And that's when you start questioning everything. And um, I think that's the brilliance of it, too. It has that rewatchability, which kind of, you know, after you kind of figure it all out, and not that, like, it's a puzzle, hard to figure out movie, but once you kind of know what it's about, like, you go back and watch it, and you're like, yeah, like, this is, you get to actually see what he's doing in his life to really feel that way, to ignore everything else around him. And, you know, his, I just thought it was incredibly well done. And highly recommend it to anybody who has Disney plus or, you know, is going to get Disney plus. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, what would you guys give it if you were to rate it? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Definitely at least a four and a half. If yeah. Not a five. yeah. I was leaning at four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I gave it a four and a half. Um, Four and a half is definitely the way it'll be. I think I gave a, I don't think I went all the way to five because I did feel like um, not in a bad way at all. And not that I'm judging the movie on this, but it is really hard for kind of whole families to follow. Yeah. Like, yeah. like even my kids, you know, they were kind of like, they understood it, but they didn't really attach themselves to it as much as they did with like an inside out or like, you mm -hmm. know, pretty much any other Pixar movie. Um but, um, but yeah, otherwise it was an incredible movie. I highly recommend anybody checking it out. Um, yeah. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to say about Soul? Or Just Go watch it. Go watch it. It's fantastic. Yes, it is great. Um, definitely check it out. Um, <clears throat> so I also want to talk about one more movie. Um, this is kind of a, to anyone watching, this is kind of more of a just a movie-based special today. <laughs> We're not, you know, um, movie news and stuff has been slow, so we haven't really had a whole lot of that stuff. We just wanted to talk some movies and let y'all know what we thought. So um, we did, uh, uh, recently I got to watch uh, Love and Monsters, which is a, a Paramount movie that just came out to DVD and Blu-ray yesterday, which is Tuesday. Um, it's a really, <laughs> um, it's kind of, so here's the basic, here's the elevator pitch. <laughs> So actually, it's not necessarily elevator pitch, a little bit longer than elevator pitch, but, you know, the movie starts, I'm not going to give away spoilers, um, kind of give you the basic premise of the movie. The movie starts, um, the world is kind of, um, you get this really cool, like, hand-drawn opening, like, almost like a comic book style, not necessarily comic books, but it's it's really cool, and this kid, um, whose who's name is uh, Joel, he's the main character played by Dylan O'Brien, he's kind of telling you about how the world ended which was basically an asteroid was, like I said, this is all in the first five minutes of the movie. An asteroid was headed towards earth. We did what we did best. We shot rockets at it, tons of rockets at it, blew up the rocket or blew up the asteroid, but with rockets, um, radiation comes down into the atmosphere. So all the stuff came down, 
mutated every all the bugs on the planet into these weird monstrous you know mothra type yeah. um so humanity is pretty much all but wiped out at this point they hide in bunkers they make these colonies hide in bunkers um it's kind of like a, a, a i really want to compare it to zombie land how like you, know, you have the survivor cool. and you have like the monsters out there um and so basically the movie is about him. He, he fell in love with this girl, like literally the day that the asteroid was going to come, they got separated and they've been living apart for like eight years. Uh, he comes in contact with her again, starts talking to her again. It's like high school sweetheart stuff. And so he wants to go see her. He needs to see her. He needs her back in his life. Um, so he goes on this mission, which is, I think it's only like, no, not only it's like 80 miles to get from one point to another. But this kid, He's got no survival skills at all. Like he's just totally just like, he knows how to cook and he knows how to clean. And he's just kind of like that kid who just plays video games and just hangs out, you know? I don't say he's a kid. He's like maybe 16, I'd say 16, 17. So anyways, he ventures out and starts his journey to go see this girl. Um, the movie is, it's just kind of like a really fun kind of, um, First off, it's, it's a movie you can watch with your family. It's a really kind of fun kind of, it's kind of like entry-level monster movie horror. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not scary. It's all, most of it's based during the day, him walking, giant monster comes up. He's got to figure out a way to defeat it. Like it's just these really cool monster designs, bug designs. They all look super cool. Um, yeah, follows him on his journey. He gets his dog on the way. His dog, he names it Boy. And the dog kind of becomes this, the dog was honestly my favorite part of the movie, um, which I think I wrote that in the review. Um, he was like, he stole every scene he was in. Um, again, none of this is spoiler stuff, you know, uh, you can see it on the cover and in the credits, uh, Michael Rooker make, makes an appearance. Um, cool. Yeah. That's where I kind of, kind of started to see the zombie land vibes because he kind of reminded me of Tallahassee and um, Joel kind of reminded me of um, Columbus so that's the kind of like character kind of um, reference I was able to come up with was it, if you want to see how like how Joel's character is, he's basically Columbus in Zombieland. Like he's, you know, got that kind of like awkward shyness kind of thing. Um, mm. But yeah, it's a fun movie. Like it's, it's, it's like two hours long. Maybe I'd say a good like 10, 15 minutes, a little too long maybe, but I think it works and it's a lot of fun and it's, um like i said it's an action adventure movie you can watch with your kids you can watch with the family nothing overly crazy or anything happening so yeah i definitely recommend it even if you don't have kids go check it out it's just goofy fun um i think uh i yeah i wrote that it's basically like it's zombie land just not as violent or brutal it's pg-13 um oh. with like this really cute kind of like um it's produced by sean levy who did like uh stranger yeah. things and he's uh -huh. produced it's directed a lot of like, you know, cutesy kind of movies. So it, it's kind of got this really cool, like, um, I keep on describing thing that John, to, to John Hughes, you know, he kind of has a certain style with his movies. Um, I'm reading Ready Player One right now, by the way, and there's a lot of John Hughes stuff in it. So I'm in this John Hughes mindset. And uh, that's what it kind of reminded me of. It had this sweet kind of romance in the middle of it. And it was just, it was fun. You know, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's out on Blu-ray and DVD now. Um, and you'll be able to read the review soon on pastrami nation.com. Check that out, yeah.
definitely definitely yeah so i think um you know unless there's anything else you guys wanted to talk about today um i don't think so i think that'll about do it um thank you guys for joining me and we're all talking and for all your latest movie news reviews and more check out pastraminationcom um yeah i'm kevin nolan <laughs> <laughs> and have a good night everybody bye